Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick, where all students of Bill Walsh don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Fearful UK Show. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the 49er Faithful UK show. On today's show, I'm joined by Brian, and we will be reviewing the Cardinals game, and also briefly looking ahead to the second half of the regular season. Welcome back, my fellow running enthusiast. Hello, how's it going? Not too bad, mate, not too bad. I feel like it was only yesterday that I saw you. Yeah, strange that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was good to meet up on Sunday at the Green Man. Um, shame we didn't have longer to chat. And I've got to say, you had a cracking view of the game. It was brilliant, yeah, I couldn't believe it. It was, um, I got really lucky. Um, a guy from the football club, um, he managed to get us some tickets through uh, Tickets for Troops. And yeah, I wasn't quite expecting to have uh, front row seats, but there we go. Yeah, or, or row nine as it was with all the tarp that had been uh, tarped off. Yeah. Um, at the front of the, the stadium there for the first sort of eight rows. But yeah, we were in row nine, which was uh, essentially the front row, which was, uh, yeah, incredible view, really. Yeah, it was. I mean, to be honest, when you sent that picture through, I actually thought you were on. You had a field side pass. I, I thought you were <laughs> on the field. Oh, it was behind. almost like a throwback to uh, to Levi's when we were there a few years ago. Yeah. But that's the closest I've been, um, other than when we went to watch the Bears-Buccaneers game. Um in about what year was that? 2011, I think it was. Maybe 2009. I can't remember what year it was now. But um, we were above the. Well, we were in row two. No, sorry, we were in front row um, above the tunnel that the Bears come out of. And annoyingly, after the game, Jay Cutler tossed the match ball up, and I tipped it into the hands of the Bears fans that stood right <laughs> next to me. <laughs> so yeah, that's a shame. A slight claim to fame that I've uh, tipped a Jay Cutler pass, but there we go. But yeah, I was Mind you, there's that. a lot of defenders have tipped a Jay Cutler's pass. Well, yeah, yeah. I think that probably not in a minority there, am I? <laughs> I remember <laughs> when we had five turnovers against Jay Cutler in a game at Candlestick not yeah. so uh, years ago. Yeah. So your seat, you'd been perfectly placed to shout abuse at Carlos Hyde as he slowed down <laughs> just before going into the end zone. <laughs> Yeah, and obviously Sean fumbled Jackson's the moment. ball. I couldn't believe it. He was he was gone, you know. And then he fair was. play, the, the defender who come back, uh, that was amazing hustle to to knock that ball out at, at the end. But Carlos has got to be, uh, he's got to do better than that. You, you can't take your eye off the ball at the one yard line when you're going in like that. Yeah, you got to definitely got to make sure, haven't you? I'd you be do. absolutely devastated if uh, that was Breeder or Moster or Coleman or someone doing that for the 49ers. Oh. Yeah, so I, I was actually sat, um, I went down with a former colleague, a uh, friend of mine, and he's a Texans fan, and this was the very first game he's ever been to, right. so he was sat next to us, and he just could not believe it, <laughs> <laughs> he, he wanted replay after replay, no, no, he definitely got in, and he was having none of it, so wow. that's definitely a touchdown, so he was absolutely gutted, he could not believe it. <laughs> but that's it, I've told him to go away and YouTube some um, NFL uh, touchdown gaffes. And he'll have a yes. good old laugh yeah. at some of them. Yeah, there's plenty out there. Yeah, but uh, I didn't, didn't think the game was that great. Um, no, me was neither. It really? Jaguars looked very poor offensively. Um, I didn't even think the Texans were that great, to be honest. But they kind of came in professional and, and got the job done, didn't they? It wasn't really the uh, 
performance from Watson at quarterback that I uh, wanted to see. And no. I, I've not checked officially, but I was relatively close to Gardner, Gardner Minshew, and I don't believe I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what. So I, th- I think after yesterday's game, I think the Gardner Minsku movement died a horrible it's, it's death over, yesterday. It's it, it, definitely <laughs> over. And I think no doubt sales of shaving cream and razor blade sword in Jacksonville this morning <laughs> as the Fu Manchu Tash yeah, gets the head- old heave ho. Yeah, headbands are being discarded as we speak right now. So after the game, um, I was actually wasn't there. Sorry, I was just about to say. I think we were going to say the same thing. I think there was there was a lot of Forty Nineers fans there that I saw. There was, there was. There's quite a few. I mean, I was Young running old, around like a um, headless chicken, handing out cards to uh, every man in the dog. And I managed to meet up with the, the 49ers Germany after the game, um, just around okay. the corner from Wembley, in a pub oh. called The Arch. It was quite a nice pub, actually. Um, it was great meeting them. And I'm actually going to meet up with one of them um, on the 24th at Levi's for the Green Bay Packers game. So I think oh, he right. works in Chicago, and he's going to fly out from Chicago oh, to wow. San Jose on the morning of the 24th, and then he's flying back oh. on the evening. Um, so he wants to hope that the yeah. uh, the game isn't actually flexed into the evening slot, otherwise he might miss that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there, there was a load of 49ers fans. Um, I tried to hand out as many cards as possible. Um, I got talking to a German couple. I hadn't realised they were German. And th- they hardly spoke a word of English. And this uh. was before I left we- uh, Wembley. So I'm trying my best uh, hand signals to, to try and explain <laughs> what the card is and who we are. Right. Um, I think they eventually got the idea. They took the card, thanked us for it, and then I, I made my excuses and left. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, there was plenty of people around there. Um, but... So to, to the, the two young girls I was talking to, one of them had um, a George Kittle alternative jersey on. It's the first time I've seen it in the actual flesh. It looked really good. It's mm. definitely yeah, convinced me that's that's the jersey I'm going to go for when I'm out yeah, in San Francisco saw, this time. Saw a couple going back to the station uh, last night, and yeah, I, I've uh, I'm tempted, put it that way. <laughs> the the very nice jerseys. Um, they are. So, so I just need to decide better than the moral black things. <laughs> well, I didn't mind the black ones at first when they first came out. I thought no, they look horrible then. But as soon as yeah. I tried one on, I thought yeah, actually I like that. Yeah. Plus, I'm, I'm a sloppy eater, so black works well for me. <laughs> I'm always scared to wear my white jerseys in case I slop something on them. Yeah. So they're very rarely getting outing. Yeah, I got a black T-shirt on this evening, and I can already see me gravy on it from earlier, so that's going to have to go straight in the wash tonight. Yeah. <laughs> i tell you what, but, it, it is the circle of life. <laughs> when you're a young bird, you have a bib on to stop you slopping out everywhere. Yeah. And then you kind of get the idea of how, how to feed yourself <laughs> and you feel really good about that. <laughs> but then in later life, it happens again. It just happens again, doesn't it? It does. Like before, yeah. But yeah, I thought there was a couple of good things yesterday. Um, the the meet-up in the Green Man was good and I thought, I think we both commented on it, that they uh, kudos to them for their not-so-subtle marketing of selling overpriced um, and undermeasured Jaeger bombs. Yeah. Send around yeah. the pretty girl with the... Um, wonder bra on and uh very little clothing <laughs> very little clothing and she uh yeah basically just sells uh sells them for a five or two year and uh you get a little bit of a uh, little bit of entertainment while she uh bends over and bores them for you yeah definitely and i really hope that the texan fans that we were talking to i hope he actually got to see the game because he was looking <laughs> a little worse for wear before he, he left was, the green man yeah. he was 
Um, so fingers crossed he got to see the game. Yeah, and we also got to see an old podcast favourite yesterday as well. We did, yes, yes. And yeah. I couldn't believe how, how American he sounded. <laughs> I mean, did, did you pick up on that straight away? As Not soon really, as he opened no. his mouth, I thought no. he's got an American twang there. Yeah. No, not but really. Yeah, but yeah, it was good, good to see, see Gary. Gary yesterday and his, his wife Katie. They were over yeah. visiting from America. So, uh, yeah, for those that don't, Gary is now living up there. And and dare we mention, <laughs> dare we mention that not only has he uh, pledged his allegiance to the American flag, but there was something else quite disturbing yesterday with uh, Gary's attire, wasn't there? There was. It was very disturbing. <laughs> As I mentioned yesterday, it was almost like seeing a, a live screening of Anakin Walker. Uh, Walker, Anakin Skywalker turning into Darth Vader with the <laughs> colours he was wearing. Yeah, so he's gone all in on the Jags. Mm. Mm. I don't think uh, that's the type of thing either myself or you would have done. No, so no, well, I, 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 I couldn't do that. I, I'd possibly go and watch him if, they were, if I was living just up the road as Gary is, but um, yeah, I don't think I'd go, I don't think I'd go the whole hog. But and, and I think that's another thing with um, with Wembley, isn't it? It's it's a long day, isn't it? I mean, it's even longer for you. You, you yeah. travel even further than what I do. I mean, I'm quite lucky in that I'm only really an hour and a bit away on the train and probably, what, two hours in the car. But I, and I'd like to go to, like, one game, but four. A fair play to anyone who does all four games, is, but it's far too much effort for me. I'm quite lazy like that, even though I'm... Uh, a bit of a fitness junkie and in the gym and running to, to make the effort to go to four games and to spend the money and all that effort for for four games and, and it's not your team play and I think it's uh, it's a bit overkill for me personally but and I think that's still still why it wouldn't work because it, if it was the Jaguars or if it was even a brand new franchise I wouldn't support them I'd go every so often you know yesterday I had a free ticket so I'd have been foolish not to have gone really but I wouldn't make that effort eight games a season definitely not so there's a couple of things i noticed yesterday and uh, on the first one i'm quite happy for somebody to correct me and say no you just didn't see it but i spent i think the first hour hour and a half in the tailgate um before i went up to the green man to, to meet up and what i noticed this year was the lack of children the lack of kids that actually turned right. up to the game. So in the tailgate, you always see them throwing the balls backwards and forwards all over the place. Didn't see a single person throwing a ball in the tailgate yesterday. And not only that, even when I was in Wembley, I did see some kids there, but not as many as what I've seen in past years. Yeah. And when they give the attendance towards the end and said there was 84,000 in, I was very sceptical about that as well. Because yeah, that may be tickets large, sold, maybe. <laughs> yeah, for large parts of that game, there was loads of empty seats. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I don't think it was as well attended yesterday as what it has been in the past. No. Well, I thought that, that was reflected in the pub as well, wasn't it? The pub, you know, we, we had a table, we sat Definitely. down, there was, yeah. sort of a, there was still a few chairs around, there was room to move around, you could go to the toilet without having to queue outside, and, you know, there, there was room outside as well. So, yeah, it was, I think that was, uh, yeah, I think you're probably right there, it was reflected, but still thought there was reasonable crowd noise in there at times. It, yeah, there was. It was, it wasn't too bad, and I don't really want to be a party people, but the Mexican wave sucks. I hate yeah, it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, and it's just a way, a way. If you're going to do it, it's just a time and a place. And I think if the Jags are at home, they're meant to be the home team. Don't do it when the Jags are on offense. You know, do it at least when Houston are on offense. And 
Yeah, if I was Roger Goodell, I'd say every time you do a Mexican wave, I'm going to pull a game from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's strict, eh? Yeah. To be honest, I hate it. I do. I really hate the Mexican wave. Yeah. Um, obviously, in the US, it's it's seen as an insult when the game's born. Exactly and the, that, yeah. They're not living up to the hype. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't like it at all. Um, I think it does distract from the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm one of those miserable uh, Victor Meldrew types that just sits down all the time. Yeah, I so, am. It gets the bird from me when it comes past me. Yeah. So then, onto the game review, the uh, the Cardinals. I think yes. everybody would probably agree it was closer than we'd all hoped. Um, and for anybody that hasn't actually realised, the Cardinals' win actually represents the first non-leasing season we've had under Shanahan and Lynch. Yeah. So, eight and oh. Yeah, eight and oh. It's eight got a really good sound to it. Oh. And I hope that oh stays all the way through the season, but we'll get on oh, to that yeah. later. That, yeah, that was uh that would be something else. That would be that it would, would uh, be. Yeah. It would be. And can you just imagine if we've gone through the season undefeated, we get to the Super Bowl and it's against the Patriots. The <laughs> seventy two Dolphins team. Oh, what are they going to do with the champagne that day? Uh, right. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm, I was thinking about this earlier. There are a few things in American football that make me cringe and make me physically wretch. There's two or three things. And the first one, maybe not top of the tr- top of the tree, but the first one is the 1972 Miami Dolphins champagne cork popping, which... Oh, Ugh, just just the yeah. yeah it makes me cringe it just makes me almost gag with every time that that's mentioned and I, i've got absolutely nothing against miami dolphins at all they're, they're one of these sort of meh type teams for me <laughs> do you know what i mean like, i don't yeah. hate them yeah, definitely. Like, um, they, they don't offend me in any way i, I love their uniforms if anything uh, they're probably one of the meh fr- franchises that i actually don't mind but that phrase just almost makes me as sick as hearing and do you know what the worst one is America's team. Oh yes, Ugh. yeah. Ugh. Do you know what I mean? Like a proper, like full-on wretch. And yeah. And the third one would be the twelves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you want to just slap the stupid out of people, don't you? Those are the probably the worst three things that oh they that really really winds me up. But sorry, we were talking about the game. Let's get back onto positives. Yeah, yeah. Or or. <laughs> Let, let, let's do what we normally do and uh, discuss the negatives first about the Cardinals game. Um, well, because I think there was plenty to discuss. Well, yeah. It's debatable whether or not you can call them negatives, but there was, there was plenty to discuss about the Cardinals game. Um, I think it was a little bit of an eye-opener, um, a little bit of a wake-up call, um, definitely for the fans, for, for us, when we were watching it, because to be honest, it, it almost felt as though it was uncomfortable viewing. Yeah. Well, they, they were in a good run of form up to this game, weren't they? I think they'd won three out of the four. So yeah. it's, it's always going to be tough. It's a divisional rival. Thursday night games, weird things tend to sometimes happen on these Thursday night games. You're, you're not fully rested. You've maybe not analysed the, the Sunday night game or the, you know, the Sunday game that you've just come from. Um, mistakes, I think, tend to happen more on these Thursday night games. I don't believe it really lends itself to exciting um i don't want to say pure football but you know it doesn't lead it lend itself very often to 
that exciting football matches. I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I only ever watch 49ers on a Thursday night and I, I'll always sort of record the highlights. But how often do I, I sit down on a sort of Friday Friday afternoon or Friday evening and watch a game and it's finished like 19-16 or 13-12 and yeah. it, it, it's just not particularly good. This, this one, to be fair, I think was probably, if you were a neutral, it wasn't too bad because it kind of it had you hanging on till the end. But it had the makings of a probably a, of a trap game for us going into it. Um, but again, we, we've now shown another way that we can win a game. And I said this to you yesterday in the pub, we've, in some ways, we really are looking like a complete team in, in some ways now because there there isn't many ways that we've not won a game this season now, is there? And and Arizona are looking like they could become a decent team as well, really. So to me, it's an excellent win. Um, Murray is one of those quarterbacks that always seem to do well against us. It doesn't matter what defence we've had, what defensive coordinator we've had, how good a pass rush or non-pass rush. Um, just one of those annoying rapid um, quarterbacks that are just so hard to track, so hard to tackle. Um, we just seem to struggle against them, don't we? Uh, Russell yeah. Wilson being yeah. the, the the ultimate one that always, nearly always seems to have our number. And it did feel to me a little bit like we were playing a, a Seattle team just in a black uniform with the, the, the way that, you know, Murray was at, at quarterback for them. Well, hopefully we do better against Seattle than what we did against Cardinals. Um, but as far yeah, as... although I'll take another 28-25 win. <laughs> oh, yeah, I will. Yep, without a shot over, dog. But for me, um, so as far as negatives are concerned, I'm pretty much going to do the same as I did uh, last week with the Jimmy G interception against the Panthers. I think the fact that the Cardinals were able to stifle our run game yeah. and they saw some success in the passing game in the in the second half... I think that presents the coaching team with an opportunity to work on players that counteract what was successful for the Cardinals on yeah. both defence and offence. Because you can bet your worst budgie smuggling photos that teams are, we are due to face in the second half of the season will be stu- studying what the Cardinals did, what was successful against both our defence and offence, and implementing that as part of their game plan going into the games against us. Oh, yeah, there's... There's, there's a sort of a, a blueprint as such out there now, isn't there, as to, as to yeah. what what can work against us? So, yeah, absolutely. You're going to be looking at that, or Seattle are going to be looking at that, thinking, right, okay, you know, this is what they've done here. This is what this is how we're going to stop them on the run game. This is how we're going to get get them through the pass game. And yeah, I, th- I think on if you look at that, I've just I've literally just watched it on the telly now. I've got it on mute in the background. That Cardinals touchdown at the end, Moses looked to sort of undercut that pick hasn't he he's gone for the big aggressive play and last week that worked out for him and unfortunately this week that slight bit of aggression there's cost us on that play and that, yeah, and that has. has made the game um a lot closer than maybe it should have been with that, that was a huge touchdown 88 yards yeah and i think if you watch that play back i think the official i called it at the time even before the pass had been completed it looked to me that there was a clear hold on buckner that wasn't flagged and Sherman's completely whiffed on the tackle, which he was, um, I've not actually watched it yet, but I've heard on the radio today that he was pissed on his press conference after the game on uh, Thursday night. And he, he was not happy about that at all. And I think someone like Sherman obviously does need to make a much better fist of that tackle. He needs to take a better angle on it. And uh, again, that's something that we've spoken about in the past with well, even this season with the, the angles that some of these defensive backs are taking. But 
if you flip that on its head, it was a perfect pass, and you have to give credit to Murray, I think. And but, and I will say, I do like the aggression of um, Mosley going for that pick because it, it pan, panned out for him last week, and it's been working pretty much for most of this season. But I think we will possibly just have to look at that aggression as we're trying to close games out, whether you sort of move to that, maybe, you know, the, the bend don't break defense within the twenties. And then, you know, you, you squeeze once, once they're down in the red zone sort of type area. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a high risk, said, high reward. It is. Yeah. Very much so. You know, that said, we were great against the Rams as well uh, and against the Panthers for the majority of the, those games. And I think if Salah can continue to rush those four guys only and cause problems, then, the secondary should continue to improve with the way that they, they have done so far this season. And and they've got the numbers back there to, to make the plays on the ball if you can get the, the pass rush done with just those four guys. But it is tough when you, you're dealing with the likes of Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson and um, the guy Jackson that we're going to face at, at Baltimore soon as well. We're, we're coming into a run of these quarterbacks now that historically cause us problems and potentially... Set, almost certainly will cause us problems over the next month or so. Yeah, yeah. So, other than it being an uncomfortable game because the Cardinals were doing things to us that no team has managed to do this season, to be honest, the very first thing I wrote down on Thursday night was the real negatives for me was firstly, the game was called by the inept duo of Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. <laughs> And that was closely followed by the, the penalties, which seemed to creep back into our game yeah, on, on Thursday yeah. night. Um, they made, made a reappearance. Another touchdown Although, called back. Yeah, I, I will say that. I thought the Warner face mask penalty was quite soft. Yeah. The same can be said of the pass interference call on the Cardinals' six toward the end of the first half on yeah. the Sanders' touchdown drive. I, I thought we were lucky to get that because I thought that was soft on them. Um, so it swings and roundabouts. But it does actually align to what we were discussing with the, the Packers fan and the Texans fan um, yesterday at the Green Man about the the level or the quality of the officiating this season and in the, the last two seasons. It's been mm. really, really poor, but it has been really, really poor for generally both teams. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's any real games that we have probably can say that we've been jobbed. It's been, it's been poor calls and... Yeah, I, th- I think you're right there. It, it, we'd, we'd probably be uh, classed as being biased if we said there was an agenda or, you know, we were we were getting uh, calls that other teams weren't getting. Uh, yeah, it, it, they, are, they have been some really bad calls uh, this season, certainly against us. Yeah, I think it was disappointing not to see a flag on the Coleman reversed fumble for a helmet-to-helmet contact because, yeah. I mean, that was obvious, that one. The officials completely missed that one and it kind of summed up the entire game, to be honest. It, from an officiating point of view and like I said I, th- I thought they were pretty poor for both teams but they shouldn't be missing calls like that because that one stood out a mile yeah so as you've already mentioned I, th- I think on a Thursday on a short week we looked leggy and I think that's probably contributed to the amount of missed tackles we've had um, as the Cardinals had their fair share of missed tackles as well so it wasn't just us it was them as well I don't th- you're right about Thursday night football it just there's something about it it's it's like you're trying to rush the games through and yeah. putting teams in a position where you expect them to make mistakes. And I, I don't like Thursday night football, I've got to say. I, I think if they're going to bring it forward no, at fine. all, Saturday night is the earliest they should really bring it forward just to give teams uh, enough time to recover from week to week because it is such a physical sport. 
Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't tried Friday because uh, Saturday's obviously going to clash with college football. And I know Friday night is obviously it's your high school football yeah. and, and things like that. But I am surprised that they haven't sort of thought of it. I know they obviously do the Saturday stuff normally around Christmas time, don't they? But I'm surprised that they haven't maybe thought about that um, and, and maybe put more towards it. Maybe they have um, in the past and I've forgotten about it. But yeah, I, I can't say I'm, I'm a big fan. Of, I, I do enjoy the Thanksgiving games, um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't go out of my way and book any time off work to stay up and watch Cleveland against Tampa Bay or something like that on a Thursday night, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I know Not unless my insomnia is really bad. Well, to be honest, I mean, midweek games, if it's not the 49ers <clears throat> playing, I don't stay up. Oh, I can quite happily wait until the next day to watch that. Yeah, I always stay up till sort of midnight. All the last game's pretty much done on a Sunday, um, generally, because normally our divisional rivals are, are in those sort of last games that finish. Yeah. But uh, yeah, pretty much done and dusted before the uh, Sunday night football starts on most weeks. And and we probably might be in some of these Sunday night football games. Well, we're probably going to come to that in a bit, but um, yeah, I think we're going to be in yeah, a lot of those Sunday night football there games. There could be another couple added for us. I would have thought as, yeah. as we move down. Although I've looked at some of the, the Sunday night fixtures um, and it's going to be hard to flex some of those games out. So what is that based off? Because I, I went through the whole flexing schedule, uh, the rules around flexing, and it's a little bit ambiguous the way the, um, the, the say you can flex games. So they're saying if it's an afternoon game, it can be flexed. Yeah. However, theoretically, they're all afternoon games. It all depends yeah. on what time, time zone yeah, you're in. Yeah, what time zone you're in. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't... I, I'm going to assume they're talking about the East Coast time zone as the prime yeah. time. So that's what I'm going to assume. So if you're looking at the likes of um, the 49ers normal kickoff uh, over in the UK, 5 past 9 or 25 past 9, that would be classed as an afternoon game and that can be flexed to the evening game. Yeah. So based off that, any one of our home games would be a target for being flexed. Yeah, I think the 6 o'clock or the 1 o'clock games Eastern time, they can be flexed as well, I believe. Right. I don't think there's a rule that says that they can't be. Unless they can just be put out to the the nine twenty five nine oh five time slot, possibly. But I'm sure I read something saying that they they could, you know, there's a possibility that they could they could, could be moved those games. But I might be wrong. But we'll have to get somebody on the podcast who is a flexible scheduling expert <laughs> and explain it to us all. Well, we have experts at everything, don't you know that? Well, we do. Yeah, yeah. You, you can definitely see that we've got experts at everything. <laughs> Everyone's and an expert. I'll definitely put this out there. I am an expert <laughs> in nothing whatsoever. <laughs> I am just a fan. Right. So, positives of the game. Oh, oh. I still have a negative, but I don't want oh, to. Go on then. No, go on. Let's, too much let's see this negative. I just, yeah, I just think the defensive line and the linebackers got, they were struggling a little bit for me in terms of the, the run game against them. And I think we just got a little bit manhandled in the middle. And I think that wide nine formation can be exploited um if you've got a good offensive coordinator um and you know a good good running back and quarterback who can exploit it and i think there's a little bit of a theme developing over the last few games where the rams panthers uh, washington cardinals that they, they've come out really run heavy and nearly all of them have scored on that first drive and again that's 
not the blueprint going out there, but there's obviously something that teams are spotting early on that they're coming out and going with a very run-heavy offense, and and it's being successful to a certain point. Obviously, Washington didn't score against us on that first drive, but the Rams and, and now the Cardinals both have. So it's just something that I think we need to just just have a look at and see if we can improve somewhere there because I think they're they're getting some of the teams are just getting a, a little bit of the better of us I would say in in that well I can't argue with that especially seeing as though Alfred Treacle Tours Morris had a like a seven and eight yard run <laughs> that was disappointing to see that yeah but he's always going to have a seven or eight yard run if he gets a little head of steam up and then trips over because he's so fat <laughs> and, and overweight. <laughs> yeah, and gets, once he's got momentum, it's every every run he goes on is always going to be a seven or eight yard run. It's just whether someone can trip him up in the first first couple of yards to, to try and get him down. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Well, there we okay, go. Then. He, he never really did that for us, did he? There well, was a case, he, he did it every now and again. There, but... Yeah. I think it's when we were most critical of him, he'd end up turning up. And having a run, having, having yeah. a good game. Yeah, he, he always re- he, he reminds me of probably how I looked when I started running back in January when I was about four or five stone overweight. Yeah. Didn't go, my legs were going, but I wasn't going <laughs> anywhere very far. <laughs> yeah, and it took you an age to stop. It did, yeah, yeah. Right, so what about the positives of the game? What, what positives did you see, Brian? Um, well, I, I'd just like to say that it's nice to have the same positives um, on a regular occurrence which is the polar opposite of our podcast for the last couple of years, where we've been talking about the same negatives over and over. And it gets quite boring, doesn't it, talking about yeah, negative things? But how nice is it to talk about positive things over and over again and just that sort makes of a heap, lovely change. keep praise on, on people week after week? It's uh, It just makes these podcasts so much more fun to do. There's nothing worse than, at the time, I think we we feel good about putting the world to right and, oh, we should have done this and we should have done that. And, you know, we sound like two grumpy old men going on and on and on. <laughs> but, yeah. but it's, which we are. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I can't argue you know. with that. And um, But, yeah, it's just nice that all of these positive things we keep seeing week after week. And, and I think Jimmy G yeah, probably is the best game he's had in a 49ers jersey, if not in the top two or three. So definitely top three. Definitely yeah, top three. Yeah, so I um, agree with that. He, on third and fourth down, he was excellent, um, as were the receivers. The receivers were brilliant. No interceptions, um, which to me is is a huge stat. There was no... Do you watch... Um, oh, what is it? You've been framed with Harry Hill when he does those stupid do 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 the sort of type thing. Yeah. This week, there was no Jimmy's boneheaded player of the week type thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because he didn't, didn't have one. Um he went through all his progressions well. The, the offensive line were brilliant. They kept him up for the majority of the time where he was able to go first, second, third, fourth, back to second and, you know, and, and make the throw. Um, he made some elite level throws and looked the absolute business. And we've now won a game this season, which sort of touches on what we said earlier, and in a different way. We've won in almost every single way that there seems to be this season, I think, other than maybe a, a 45-41 blowout type game. But we've done it all. Like we've had games where we've thrown, or not thrown, we've given away five turnovers. And we've had a game where Jimmy's sort of just basically got the basics done and we trampled all over teams with the run game. We've had games like at Tampa Bay where 
two of the touchdowns come through defensive touchdowns. We've won a game where we haven't scored a touchdown. We've won games where we've completely steamrolled teams and and just taken them apart, like like Carolina. Yeah, yeah. It's now we've put a game on Jimmy's back. He's thrown for three hundred yards, four touchdowns. There isn't many ways that we haven't won a game this season, and and for us to to adapt and to be able to play football in all of these different situations and scenarios and win games and and not just win games by the skin of our teeth, but win most of these games fairly convincingly, it, it just something special is happening, and and we need to really embrace that and and get on. You know, if you're not on this bandwagon now, you you know you've you've got to get on because special things are happening now at the minute and. It's just so nice to to sit here and and think about this team in this light. It, there there aren't there are so many positives. You know, it, I could just reel them off. There there are that many, and like his ability under pressure as well. Thursday night was just yeah. amazing. His accuracy under pressure. He had people when whenever that line broke down, he was still making passes and he was leading receivers into open spaces, and. The, the couple of the touchdown throws were just perfection. The, the, the right. one to right. to Pettis in the corner was just how how could he see that? How how could he, you know, Pettis had what I think it was two meters or something, wasn't it, to to get both feet in, and, and he did it. And he wouldn't have done it if that pass wasn't on the money. And yeah, it was just brilliant. And Kyle, Kyle again, Kyle put him in this position to be to become that person to throw the three hundred yards, to throw the four touchdowns, to convert on all of these third downs I think we were 11 for 17 on third down that that's an astonishing stat you know it he was 28 for 37 on on the night it's just incredible 12 for 14 on third down I think it was yeah so you've covered actually everything I was going to talk about as a positive. <laughs> so well done with that um yeah I mean we I'll echo what you said. We found a way to to win the game using the one component that everybody, other than the 49ers fans, have been doubting since the start of the season, and that's Jimmy G. The game will have done him the world of good to raise his confidence level in yeah. both himself and Kyle, who hopefully can now start being a, a little bit more adventurous with their pass play calling, um, yeah. trying not to be cautious, trying not to protect them too much. Um, but the one thing I would say is I hope he doesn't go through the full playbook because we're going to need some of these uh, players that are brand new come the postseason, because mm-hmm. we're definitely heading in that direction. Yeah, and I, I think Kyle's always got got that up his sleeve. I think I don't want to say he's holding back, but I think certainly there's he's always got there's always a blank page that on a Monday morning will become a full page, and then that next blank page becomes a full page probably Monday afternoon, and. From I think it was yes no not yesterday it would have been Saturday I think I was listening to KMBR and someone one of the guys on there was saying that he was he slept slept in the facility for like two nights last week pre- pre- preparing for the the Arizona game I think it was or after yeah. the Arizona game by the time they got in or something I can't remember exactly what it was now but uh, you just think like that that commitment is incredible and and yeah I, I don't I think anyone who who thinks Kyle um, will be holding back. I, I think, you know, I don't think he's holding back. There's always, he's always developing uh, his, his playbook. And I think from, from sort of what you hear on the game calls and things like that, it, it's, there's, there's so much verbiage and stuff on there that it, it's, it's a constantly developing thing by the sounds of things. 
Yeah, yeah. I think probably most NFL playbooks are. I think that's that's probably a, that's a bit of a maybe a little bit of a silly statement, possibly. But I think Kyle's the kind of guy, and in the same way that Sean McVay is, there's always he's always got something up his sleeve. There's always something new coming. There's always a new wrinkle coming. There's always a new way of adapting and putting putting other plays in for for um, different players to catch players out. I mean, we haven't seen. Joe Staley or anyone like that catch a pass this season from for maybe two or three seasons now, have we? So it would not surprise me to see something like that over the next few weeks in in these type games where you know we're going up against high powered offenses just to try and catch someone uh, sleeping. Maybe you know put Joe Staley out in motion or you know seventy four reports eligible. I, I noticed. I think it was on Sunday. I think was it Houston were constantly putting seventy seven in. Yeah. Um, as eligible, and he didn't do anything. He just came in as an extra blocker, essentially just as a tight end on the right side of the line. But you think if you keep keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that, at some point you're going to have a, a a tackle out at a tight end, completely wide open, and and possibly no one more than me likes seeing a fat man running with a football towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of the best yeah. things I think it, about American football that I love watching. I love watching a fat man running with a football. I tell you what, it would have been good to see Borsa get into the, uh, the end zone after he got oh, into Carolina. Yeah. Just another, it was just one stiff arm away from, oh, that, that would have been on highlight reels for years to come. I think if he'd have taken that to the house. Yeah, definitely. But I just want to, just on sort of Jimmy and that, I think the, School and Brunskill, um, just brilliant again, aren't they? Brun- Brunskill, I think, in particular, is, uh, I mean, he, he could be in line for a long-term job at the, at the team, the way it's going. If, if Staley has, if, if, I'm talking big ifs now, but if, 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 yeah. if Russo comes out in February and Staley wants to retire on top, McClinchy might kick over to left and Brunskill might be a natural natural person there at, at, at the right with school as your possible swing safety I know school's given up a few penalties but he's not looked like a six round rookie has he no the, the both have come in and done an absolutely fantastic job yeah and um, believe it or not you, you've just gone through everything I was just about to say as well <laughs> um, so not only have you getting all my positives you've also getting the whole thing about the offensive line I was going to talk about <laughs> We're on the same page here. We're both noticing the same things. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think they're very underrated, our offensive line. I, I mm. think it's not being talked about as much as what it should be because we are playing with two tackles that aren't our starting tackles and they've done yeah, a fantastic job. Tackles. Uh, and not only that, they're, they're scoring really highly against every other tackle that's yeah. in the NFL at the moment. And that's the pleasing thing, the fact that our backups are better than most other people's starting tackles. Yeah. It's incredible, really, when you think about it, from where we've come from in recent years. I've got to say, I think there's a question mark now over whether or not McGlinchey does come back into an automatic starting spot, mainly because the the games he had played before he got injured, he hadn't really done that good this season. He wasn't doing that well, but I I think he'll be straight back in. But I I don't want to say he's on a leash, but yeah, Brunskill's going to give certainly food for thought. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. If it, if it's not at the right tackle position in the future, it possibly might be a, a inside a, as, a, as a guard, possibly in maybe season seasons to come. But 
Yeah, there's something there. He's he's playing well and he's mobile. He's getting downfield and blocking as well as, as he did on, I think it was a Matt Breeder run. Um, I think Breeder actually hurdled over him, didn't he? He'd, he'd made the block, but and then Breeder was so quick that he actually had to hurdle over him. But, you know, if Brunskill wasn't there to make the block, Breeder probably wouldn't have, uh, I think it was only about 14, 15 yard run or something, but he wouldn't have made it if Brunskill wasn't out there making yeah. that block. So all... all... We've talked about Thursday night game and uh, how evil they are. However, <laughs> to be honest, at the moment, the, the stage we are at the season, I think this Thursday night game has been an absolute godsend for us because we now have an 11-day break. I mean, we're already uh, four days into that 11-day break. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like having another bye week. It's a mini bye week for us. It is, yeah. I think and they're having four days off, weren't they? That's right. And when we return, we're going to have Staley, Juice, Witherspoon, Potentially McGlinchey back. Yep. Four starters back for the uh, Seattle game. For a that's our game. new, um, that's our sort of uh, new trade window, isn't it? There. <laughs> our new we, trade window. Well, yeah. All these teams have made all their trades already. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, we've got a right tackle, a left tackle, a cornerback, and a fullback coming in in the next week. It's a shame that we couldn't get a linebacker in there. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That, that was that... really bad timing. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's it's cliche, but. And I think it's going to probably kick us in the backside at some point, but it's the next man up thing again, isn't it? And we've been pretty fortunate this season with, you know, Mosley's come in for Witherspoon. We've not really noticed any difference there at all, even despite Witherspoon starting so well. We've, we've just discussed both of the, the tackles there. There's not been a real downgrade there at, at all. Ross Dwelly has come in. All right, he's not. He's not juiced by any stretch of the imagination, but he's done bloody well for the last couple of games that he's been out there. And he's making important catches and he's making important blocks in the running game. And this might be the one that bites us in the backside, but, you know, Dre Greenlaw, here you go. Here's your chance. So I'm going to ask a question. It wasn't a question I intended to ask during this podcast, but I'm sure there's a a lot of 49er fans, a lot of our group members who are potentially thinking this. Is there any, is there any mileage, any value, in trying to bring Navarro Bowman back? No, I don't think so. Now, I think if he if he had something to offer, still someone would have picked him up by now. Surely, we've got Elijah Lee on the practice squad as well. Don't forget, Elijah Lee yes, started I forgot all about five, Elijah six games Lee. last year. Yeah, um, I think he racked up double digit tackles in. I think it might have been the last half dozen five, or certainly the last five or six games of the season, he was racking up double-digit tackles. And I think he's on the practice squad. So he, he can is. come up and make an impact. He might, well, he probably won't be at the level that we've seen from Quan. But, you know, guys, well, it's I mean, chance. Well, I mean, you never know. know cause last Dre year when and, he... and Elijah to come in now and, and make plays. Yeah, I mean, last year when he came in, he, he, he was excellent. In yeah. fact, uh, when he did come in, I thought he should have been starting the, the level of performance he was putting in. So, yeah, that, that's very possible for, for that to happen. And I'm glad you've yeah. uh, reminded us about Elijah Lee. I'd completely forget about him. Yeah, I, th- I think we will probably notice a a downgrade in the coverage because I think Quan was pretty good in coverage. Yeah, He was certainly out there batting balls down, um, getting involved. It was pretty... When you saw him out there, you were pretty confident that he was doing a good job covering mainly the tight ends and the running backs coming out of the backfield. So I think that's going to be a noticeable downgrade there. But in terms of 
having a body there, someone coming in like a Dre Green or, or Elijah Lee or a combination of the pair of them or whatever they choose to do, you know, it might not. I don't want to say that it's a bad thing that Quan's gone because it is. It's going to hurt us because yeah, he's been yeah. a big heartbeat of the team as well. He, he's a, he seems to be a real leader out there. He pumps everyone up. He gets exactly. everyone going. He's become sort of in the same ilk as that sort of Willis Bowman type model out there that is a leader and, a, and an example and, and someone that the, the team out there look up to and, and listen to. So, yeah, you, you're definitely going to miss that. But, hey, you know, that that's it's sad, but that, that's football and, and it is down to the next person to to, to come in and, and stamp their authority and, and make a mark on the team now. Yep, yeah, hopefully that'll work out for us. Um, I, I agree. I, th- I think he... I think he's actually going to be a bigger miss than what we actually think he is, purely because yeah. of his leadership skills on the field. And we are missing that leader on the field. It's different having them on the sideline and talking to the guys when they come off. You need that person in the huddle, uh, on the field, giving the giving the younger guys some confidence, uh, a little bit of direction. And we will miss that. But obviously, we do have leaders on, on the defence still. Oh, yeah, Sherman, yeah. he's the best example. He, he does lead by example. So, yeah. He's going to be a miss. Hopefully, next man steps up and, and does the job. So, going into the next game against Seattle, I think um, I think Juice is going to be a massive return for us. Yeah. I, I think, hopefully, it's it's going to be causing Cheaty Peaty some sleepless nights. Wondering <laughs> how on earth he's going to stop the run game now that Juice is back. And from everything I've read, he, he is going to be fully fit for that game. Um Potentially, he was going to be available for the Cardinals. It was a bit touch and go, and I think they decided just to leave him out, uh, give him that extra eleven days. Yeah, definitely, he, he will be huge back in into the into the uh, into that offense. It, it's I say you 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 add those four guys into any team in in the NFL, and that's a massive bonus to to any team to to bring back at this stage of the season as well. And you've already had your bye week. I don't think you can you can underestimate how big getting all four of those guys back will be, and still potentially you, you've got not that it sounds likely, but you've still got you know these guys on IR potentially to come back as well. Jalen Hurd and Trent Taylor. I think the the longer that that goes on, I think the less likely we are to probably see them now, especially with Sanders coming in and playing so well. Yeah. And again, Sanders. It looks like he's been part of the furniture for. So a couple of years or so here now, doesn't it? He, he's I know it's probably been an easy switch for him because um, Scangarello was obviously in Denver, wasn't he? And they probably had a similar kind of playbook there. And he's come over and where you know he might have had a spider wide two banana or something in, in Denver. He's probably got some similarly uh, in San Francisco that's called something slightly different now. So it's it's probably just him learning new verbiage and picking up almost where he left off in Denver. Yeah, I think he's acclimatised really quickly and the chemistry between him and uh, Garoppolo is obvious for everybody to see. Uh, yeah. it's, it's quite surprising how quickly they've been able to develop that chemistry. Yeah. Um, but it can only board well for us. Yeah, definitely. So, look, looking at the second half of the season, um, yeah. we've got the C- Seattle Seahawks up next at home, um, followed by the Cardinals at home and the Packers at home. Ravens on the road, Saints on the road, which is the Edinburgh meet-up game. And then we've got the Falcons and Rams as our final two home games before the last game of the season, Seahawks again at CenturyLink Field to finish out the mm. season. So I'm going to ask you to stick your neck out and say how many of those do we win? 
Oh, geez. Well, okay. Well, this is where it gets really tough and it gets really interesting now, isn't it? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, if, if people are moaning that we haven't played anyone, which, hello, we have, um, they're, they're certainly going to, or I think everyone's going to get a real idea, us 49ers fans ourselves, as to where we really are at in the next, well, over, over these next, what, how many games we've got? Eight games left now. So yeah, over yeah. this next, yeah, over this next eight games, this is going to be the real, the real tester, the, the real sort of watermark level as to where we're at. And you can look through that, and I think even the most sort of pessimistic person could look at that and think, well, four and four. If you're yeah. optimistic, you can look at that and think, yeah, maybe five and three, six and two might be a push. But it, it it's not going to get any tougher than, than this, and, and this is going to be a real chance to see where we're at. Will we be 16 and 0? Let's face it, even the most red and gold spectacled um, 49ers fan can probably say, no. Would it happen? It'd be bloody amazing if it does. Um, I just can't see it. I think the toughest one is going to be, put it this way, if we win on Monday night, there's no reason why we can't win 13 or 14 games. If we lose Monday night, then I think there's more of a possibility that we will probably lose or go 4-4 four and four over this period. I think if you just sort of, it's hard to sort of get to week 17 and make real accurate, confident predictions because we, you don't know what situation the Rams and the Seahawks are going to be in in week 16 and 17. So you could almost sort of, we might go 0-2 in that because we've, we've already sealed the division and we're rest players or we might need to go into that and be beaten both to make the playoffs because they're rampaging up behind us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and and they're yeah. trying to cash in on us, maybe losing one or two games between now and then, and they go unbeaten between now and then. So it's very difficult to sort of accurately try and conf- or confidently say where we're going to be in those week sixteen and seventeen games. But I think if you just sort of went win loss, win loss, win loss, win loss, looking at it for the next six games, I think this Seattle game is going to be the the real measuring stick as to where we're at and. I think even if we lose against Seattle, which I'm not going to predict just yet, I think that Arizona game is your quick fix turnaround time. So if you do lose, you get you get almost a chance to come back against a very similar team with a very similar quarterback. You know, again, similar to what we discussed earlier. And let's face it, before Sunday, a lot of people would have probably looked at the Green Bay game and thought, "Ooh, don't know about Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers." He could, you know, he's a bit like Tom Brady. He can make Lee Gowland and Brian Davis look like half decent wide receivers. But <laughs> where did the LA Chargers win come from yesterday? I mean, what the yeah. hell's going on there? Yeah. And to only go down there and and what they had eleven points, I think it was, wasn't it, going into the fourth quarter? And like nobody, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Probably even the Chargers fans didn't even see that coming. So again, that lends itself to the, the positive side of, of, of our schedule. So if you even if you said, right, we're going to lose, possibly lose to Seattle, but then we, we get get back on the snide with against Arizona and then Green Bay, you, you could put that down as a, as a win if you're literally doing a, a sort of checklist now. At Baltimore, well, look what they've just gone and done. Yeah. So that, I think, even if you wrote that off and, and then you said, right, over the next four games, we're going to be two and two, at New Orleans, 
you don't know what position the, the Saints are going to be in at that point. I, I would imagine the Saints are still going to be flying high, trying to make it into the playoffs. That essentially makes that even tougher than, you know, than it would be if it wasn't Drew Brees playing, if it was Teddy Bridgewater, even though they did all right with Teddy Bridgewater. So, again, it's one of those games that could really go either way. And if you called it now that we're going to, that New Orleans get the better of us in that game, you, you then bounce, you've got a bounce back opportunity against the Falcons straight after, who are probably going to be well out of it by then. So even if you said we're going to be three and three in the next six, which is, I think, fairly realistic without being Debbie Downer on the situation. And then it just leaves that situation of it, it's so hard to call the Rams and the Seattle games because you just don't know what position. You know, if, if the last two games of the season were, say, um, home to Green Bay, um, away to or home to Arizona and away to Atlanta or however it might be. If you if you had two or home to Green Bay and away at um, let's, let's face it, all of our away games are pretty tough now. Yeah, you're it's, right. Yeah. Or it, let's say you had your, your last two home games were Green Bay and Arizona or Falcons and Arizona, right? You you probably say now, right, win win, because they're probably both going to be out of it by that point, but we just don't know yeah. what the situation is going to be in that week 16, 17 to accurately say really. So I, I think, and I think momentum is another thing as well, isn't it? Do do you really want to be going into the playoffs off of the back of a four and four stretch after starting eight and zero? Where does that put you mentally? And is it key? You know, will those week 16 and 17 games be key to, to how you go into the playoffs as well. So it's kind of quite hard for me to, I'm not trying to deflect. Shirk the answer. Shirk the answer. But I think yeah. it is very, very hard to sort of put yourself in the position of, of trying to think about it. Or maybe I'm overthinking it. I don't know. Maybe I just need to go, yeah, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss all the way through. But or win, 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 win. <laughs> so it, it's tough. It really is tough. But I would. You, you're right. It is tough. Four and four would be. I don't, I don't. Would that be disappointing? Twelve and four. It's I don't hard. think it will. You know. <laughs> I don't think it will be, but it's it's a be phenomenal finish from where we were and what we were predicting at the start of the season. Yeah. But I think it's it's possible. It's definitely possible, and I think this Seattle game is going to be the real, like I say, it's the real measuring point of where we are. Um, and we're lucky that we've got a couple of games that are tough that we do get bounce back games from after. So, so I, I had a good thing about this, and when I put my notes together, I put them together before the weekend games, and I was actually going to go for I, th- I thought we would have a four and four second half of the season. Mm. However, after the Packers got beat off the Chargers, I've actually changed that. I think I think we'll go five and three now. Yeah. I think we'll go unbeaten at home. Um, Jimmy's unbeaten at home. He, nobody's beaten him in Levi's. I think yeah. the three games we lose is Ravens on the road, Saints on the road, and Seahawks on the road. And yeah. I think where that will leave us potentially is ourselves and the Saints, with both of us having 13 and 3 records, and obviously the Saints getting home field advantage because they beat us this season. I yeah. think that's how it's looking at the moment for me. Whereas before, when, it was, when I was thinking 4 and 4, I thought 12 and 4 for the year. I don't think that's. uh, Sorry, I think that will be good enough to win the division, but not good enough to secure a home field advantage or Mm. a wildcard bye, which means we could potentially face the Seahawks two weeks running, depending on how 
results score. Yeah. But obviously, if we're the division winners, it's going to be at Levi's, which is a huge advantage over Seattle. Oh, big time. But yeah, so my my thinking has changed purely off that result, the Packers yeah. charges. Another thing that I think uh, could lend itself to us having a positive outcome on at least one of those um, road games would be if we're staying over in Youngstown or if they're going to find somewhere else to go. But I would have thought Youngstown would be the sensible place. Um, go to Baltimore, back to Youngstown, down to New Orleans after. Yeah. It, it, you know, you then get that chance where you, you, you if, if you if you have had one or two dodgy results before then you, you get that chance to to sort of get out there you get a chance to get your head completely stuck in the playbook um a real chance for the team bonding to to sort of take place again and, and to really go deep to study film stay on the same body clock in the same time zone and, and really just try and click as a unit again yeah and i think that will be key but it's a, that, that is looking like brutal road trip at Baltimore, at New Orleans, with the three of us all trying to win our divisions and, and trying to battle now for home field advantage. Yeah, and I think the one thing we haven't mentioned in all of that analysis of what the second half of the season could look like is this is all dependent on each team not having any major injuries to yeah, start players. And obviously, as the season go, goes on, people get tired, people pick up niggling injuries, niggling injuries become major injuries. Yeah. And you, you can't really judge it. it. At the moment, it is. It, it's just it's just wild guessing mm. how we're going to finish. Yeah, I'll go five and three. Yeah, I'm going to go five and three as well. Yeah. And that makes me happy because I've changed the Packers' loss to a Packers' win, and that's <laughs> the game I'm going to. So finally, yeah. I, I might get to see them win at Levi's. That was my last game at Candlestick, 49ers Green Bay. Yeah, yeah, good game that one. Right, well, thank you for joining me on the show, Brian. No I worries, it's been good. a very busy man. It's been a pleasure as always. Yes, no, it's been a pleasure to be back. It's been good to be back. It was good to meet up yesterday. It was good to see some uh, familiar faces and some old friends in uh, in and around Wembley. And uh, yeah, if I don't get to, well, ho hoping to try and get to at least one of the one of the meetups at some point this season, so we can do it all again. And uh, if 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 it happens, then I will possibly consider changing my name to Brass O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> I, t I tell you what, right? If we get to the Super Bowl and you decide to come to the Super Bowl meetup in Newcastle. I think you need to come in fancy dress, dressed <laughs> as a can of Brasso. Yeah, but that could go horribly wrong if, if it we could don't be. Win. It could do. You're right. You're right. Because no doubt, just in case. Yeah, no doubt. There's going to be an opposing team's fans there. So yeah, that oh, could yeah. go bad. Horrible, yeah. yeah. Right. Once again, thank you to our listeners. Um, please remember to like and subscribe. Also, check us out on the YouTube channel, which can be found by searching for Forty Nine er Faithful UK. Until next week, when we return with the preview of the matchup, go Niners.